This is Subversity here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. The opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the regents of the University of California, nor the management of KUCI. Uh, this is Dan Zhang with Subversity here on KUCI. Uh, today we're going to be talking with a film director whose uh, film is debuting at the current Vietnamese International Film Festival uh, here currently going on at UC Irvine. Uh, welcome, Levan Kiet. Thank you. Uh, morning, everybody. Morning. Uh, thank you for coming in. Um, your film is very exciting to me, especially because you're talking about young Vietnamese youth who were involved in gangs in the 1990s here. Yes. And that was a big uh, issue in Orange County. Uh, why did you do this film? I always felt like it was the story that I needed to tell. It was um, something that was always on my mind even before I went to film school. Uh, so I always thought it was very important for me to uh, tell this story, not only for the Vietnamese diaspora around here, um, but also it's an Asian American story. You know, um, right? It it was about the struggle and the uh, you know the trials of assimilation. And so I always felt that, you know, for it was an important story to tell. Did you know any uh, such youth when you were growing up here? I was myself uh, like them. I mean, I, w- I can't say I have first hands with gangs or, yeah. uh, you know, the the violence. But, uh, you know, I was around that. And I think uh, a lot of people can say that, if, if you know, the Asian Americans can say that. Uh, I was a part of that world. And, sure. and so uh, it was even more important for me to tell that story. The, um, you, you used a special technique uh, in showing it. You said you stripped the colors or the, uh, what do you call it? The, uh, yeah, desaturating. The, desaturating. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was shot on film, uh, oh, Super wow. 16. So uh. we had a lot of control with uh, color and uh, grain. So um, we decided to shoot it uh, on a very grainy uh, film and also uh, stripping the colors away because... Um, Part of it is because we wanted to uh, recreate the early 90s and how it looked, mm. you know, and um, and yeah. also it, it, it you know, em- emotionally, when you look at a film that is very desaturated and grainy, it kind of has a feeling of uh, a documentary. Uh, yeah. So uh, that's what we we're trying to achieve with that. Uh, how about black and white? Did you consider doing it in black and white? I did, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm a... I'm a big fan of black and white. Yeah, um, me too. I, yeah. It's a beautiful um, film. Um, it's just that I, I think uh, the, the film uh, for distribution purposes, it'll be a lot harder, yeah. And also, um, we did use black and white, actually, mm-hmm. in the in certain sequences. Right. I, I did get to use it, but it wasn't completely black and white. It was kind uh-huh. of, it was very desaturated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How about the actors? I noticed... Uh, we were going to have uh, one of the actors on, but he couldn't make it this morning. But mm-hmm. the uh, the actors you picked were all non-actors. <laughs> yes, yeah. It was that was a conscious choice that I always wanted to make um, because I knew if ahead of time that doing this kind of film, I was going to f- it's going to be very difficult for me to find authentic, uh, real actors because of the the authenticity that the authenticity that I was looking for is. You know, um, I don't think a film like this has ever been made, so mm-hmm. I, I didn't know where to look for it. And we did try. We went to L.A., we we auditioned, we auditioned here, we sent out emails all over across the United States for people to come. 
there were some people who were coming from Florida, even from San Jose. Mm. But, um, you know, I ended up choosing the people around here in you know, Orange County. Were, and, they, were they your friends? Or friends no, no. They were mainly from the community that came out for the audition. Um, and also um, some of them were people who I um, knew from, from, I don't know, from distant friends or something. Oh, and oh. I did approach them to, and yeah. ask them. Yeah. Were they in high school at the time? Or? No, every single person is actually uh, uh, more than 18 years old. Some of them are close to 30. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the advantages of but, casting Asians. They look yeah, we, we have that advantage. <laughs> yeah. um, did, did anybody, um, you wrote the script, right? Yes. And... How, oh, let's talk about that. How? Uh, the, by the way, the film is the dust of life, uh, Budoi. Yeah, uh, Budoi, dust Budoi. of life, and yeah. um, and that's a term used to uh, describe uh, young people who are. Yeah, the the term originally in Vietnam about uh, the you know after, during the uh, the famine and war times, um, it, it described the people uh, that really didn't have um, anything. You know, they were the dust of life. Basically, they were homeless and. Um, it didn't. It it had a negative connotation uh, of of people being, you know, very uh, poor and hungry, mm-hmm. and and then getting into trouble because mm-hmm. you know they were desperate and because they needed to survive, um, and so that that term carried on throughout history and through the Vietnam War, and then it carried to here, yeah. you know, socially here in in uh, Orange County. In the early '90s, especially in the early '80s, do you know was it used by the kids themselves? Or yeah, yeah. Actually? Because kids w- w- during that time they they felt that they needed to identify with something, mm-hmm. you know, and especially when they weren't born here and um, they had to speak English, mm-hmm. you know, uh, at school and at home they had to speak Vietnamese. So they didn't like that, you know. They they wanted their own identity, and so for them to join together and and um have a, a certain identity um they chose to you know they chose the more confident and the more um kind of like uh you know the Vietnamese word is a, there's a word that says no you know uh-huh. the the no lifestyle which is like the bravery you know the uh-huh. the, the confident lifestyle and that's what they wanted to identify with and you know and part of them they know their fate too. They know that what uh, the way they are is is not socially accepted, and so they they kind of they're kind of like uh, going against society and saying, you know what, we don't care what society says. Yeah. We we're gonna call ourselves dust of life. We're gonna call ourselves the Buddha, uh, and we like it. Accept us or not, huh. you know. And that's what was so com- uh, so conflicting with the family because, yeah. you know, their family wanted them to not be the dust of life you know they wanted them to you know go to uci and 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 graduate with a doctor's degree or a a pharmacy degree so so there was a lot of conflicts during that time and the um did you um the people you picked to play those roles did they um have personal experiences or new people that were um some of them did some of them did some of them were uh during that time uh involved and and also uh, some of them were a part of it, but that's just, just that's just to say that they were living it during that time, really, right, right. as a teenager. Sure. And because yeah. every every teenager during that time, 
had some experience one way or the other right. with gang violence or um, parents being you know too strict on them. And really, this film is not all about gang members right. and and the gang lifestyle. It's right. really uh, the family right. structure and and how you know the the struggle for assimilation is you know was was dealt with. Right, right, right. Uh, did you? F- was it hard to cast the parents in this film? Uh, what the parent? What the father seems like a main act. I mean, a well-known actor. Yeah, you know the um, the father wasn't uh, uh, too hard, but. Uh, the the parents, um, yeah, I felt that it was, it was harder than I thought because yeah. um, not many people wanted to play this role, I guess, because yeah. it was a very, um, you know, it's a it's a role that kind of, I think the whole movie talks uh, about uh, or tries to explain why it was so difficult mm-hmm. and. Um, we don't like to talk about that uh, most of the time about our failures and our difficulties. We just kind of like to put it behind us. But also, I, there's this um, model minority kind of you know paradigm, uh, like going to medical school, you know, you know, escaping for freedom in the U.S. and you know success here, mm-hmm. and this just goes against it. This yeah. Kind of story. Yeah. Um, do you find that in in talking to people at the festival, how receptive were they at this? to to show this film and it's going to be at the opening uh closing night which is yeah, on, it's closing on Sunday night. Sunday uh at 7 o'clock at HIB 100 here on campus at UC Irvine. Yeah. Uh, well we we're, we're very happy that we were chosen for closing night and uh from what I heard from the members it was uh they thought it was very fitting because it was a story that uh it it it's a story about the community and uh especially around this area it's an OC story. Yeah, you know, definitely. and so that, that that's the value that it has for the for the festival at least, uh, and they, they just thought that it speaks great volume uh, with uh, social issues, uh, Asian Americans uh, in general, for Asian Americans. Why is it that all these OC stories are about <laughs> about bad youth and look at Better Luck to Tomorrow, and that was about a killing at uh, at a prominent high school in mm-hmm. in Fullerton. Yes, and. Uh, Although when I interviewed Justin Lin on this program, mm-hmm. he denied that it was really based on reality. But uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think he, he he didn't want to get the family upset. But it was really based on the stories around that case. I see. And um and so um but these are the kind of stories that aren't told, you know, in in film usually, the the underside of society, I guess. Yeah, well, I guess um, you know, we we have. I think we have a lot of stories about the OC. I mean, there's, there's a whole TV show about it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I interviewed, yeah, actually a few weeks ago, I interviewed a Korean that was on the OC, actually one of the few Asians right, on right. the show. Right, right. Justin so, Chan, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, the, the OC is, is, is getting bigger, you know, and, and with the whole <laughs> OC and Laguna Beach, and we there's that share uh, in the media. and uh, But I think with it, with anything, there's also the other side of it, too. Sure. And so that's what we are doing, you know. Uh, we're not exposing, you know. I don't like that word, exposing uh-huh. or or being uh, controversial for for uh, shock's sake or something like that. That's that's not it at all. It's just we the filmmakers, uh, or at least I make uh, or try to do films that um, are close to me and yeah, sure. films that I would like to see myself uh-huh. you know, in a theater and. This is something that we always felt that we were, it's very important to tell. 
you have to you know as a as a director even a, a director an independent director you still have to tell a story right right, right. so um how how do you make it compelling to the viewer yeah it's for me it's very hard to always think about the audience you know and or the market uh right, right. especially with independent filmmaking or something that you have so much control over um you can to a certain extent but it's more important for you to do it you know as clear and as as close to your heart as possible you know because every film every film is an extension of you know the artist um i can say that you know this film has many things that you know that is part of me um and if you're true to that if yeah. if if it's 100% your heart and soul then you did it right and but in a sense you're going to it's going to be controversial are you happy with the finished product or would you want to change it now <laughs> yeah i'm very happy it's uh. it's stuck pretty close to the script uh-huh. um you know obviously you know it's it's not going to be straight from the page uh but it's very close to the script because uh we we didn't have a big budget and sure. um you know everything was basically taken in one take Huh. Um, yeah, we didn't have much uh, luxury of uh, doing a lot of coverage. Even the even the fight scenes, were, like pretty, you didn't reshoot them. Or? No, the fights. Well, the fight scene was. It's it's funny. The the fight scene as uh, if people do uh, go and see it, which I encourage them to this Sunday. Um, the fight scene story is pretty interesting because we had a, a group of people, um, the community, they turned, uh, suddenly they turned out so, it was a big turnout on this day that we had that uh, fight scene and they were excited, you know, they were, you know, they couldn't, you know, they couldn't contain themselves and so we had, we brought in a, chore- a choreographer, you know, he did some martial arts stuff that uh, in, in certain independent films. And so he he told everyone how to hit and and everything like that and they're like okay you know they were listening contently and there was a bunch of kids or a bunch of guys over there and it was at nighttime and it was and we had to you know the neighbor dogs were barking like crazy and we had to throw them ham just to quiet them down for the shoot. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was like that kind of shoot. And so we went through this whole process of, of of telling them how to hit and not hurt each other and all that stuff. And then when I called action, you know, they just scrambled. They just started scrambling and start like fighting like like how they did in real life, wow. and I I looked at the cameraman, I looked at the my assistant director, and I said, and they, you know they're, they're not used to this, you know, because they're from LA and they, you know they, they haven't done this kind of thing before, and I look they they look at me and they're like, what is going on here? And I look at them like, don't cut, keep rolling, <laughs> you know, just keep rolling. I I want you to keep rolling. This is great, and so they looked at me like a crazy man, like this is nuts. Because <laughs> they were, they were very. It was very real, and I could say that those guys, they did, they did hit each other, but sure. in all good fun. Yeah. You know, and they wanted it. They actually yeah. wanted it to be <laughs> like that. So you know, I'm, I really appreciate them, uh, for their help and yeah. and their turnout. But it was just, that's just something that's very funny. But they me. put their whole whole effort into it. They, yeah, they had a lot of fun. They wanted to do it huh. in that way. They just thought that recreating it was was something that was ex- very exciting for them. Wow, that's great. The um in terms of um th- how long is the film uh, actually uh, the finished product? Writing time is 90 minutes. Oh. Yeah. And um this is your first feature. Yes, it is. And um uh, do you f- uh do you feel that um it's something that 
could be marketable to uh you know in a mainstream theater or like Edwards or some one of those chains I you know I'm not a distributor and uh yeah. but I I can see that um the, the way the technically this film is 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 the spirit of independent film right. really it yeah. is uh, I mean there's no big stars that you know people from Washington or I mean people from North Dakota would know um but I, we are we're relying on this film on the sheer fact of you know the the social issues that it it conveys yeah. and the uh um I don't know the whole spirit of independent filmmaking and the story. Basically, the the story is going to carry this the life of the film, and um, we would like to. Uh, as far if you're asking me if if it's a mainstream film, no, I don't think it's no, a mainstream no. film no, no, at no. all. But uh, would I like it to be mainstream uh, for people to see? Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, if it gets to the mainstream, that's even better. You know, but uh, as far as right now, the best thing I can hope for it to. Is really to to have it as an independent film, uh, with maybe an art house release. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, which is uh, this that's what this film is really going to go for. Yeah. Will you release it on DVD eventually? Yes, yes. Uh, we we're hoping to uh, get to as many festivals oh, as sure, possible sure. throughout the year, and then um, have a small theater release, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. depending on the distributor. Yeah. And then um, take it to DVD, and then maybe internationally. Did you max out your credit cards on it? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Did you get uh, like big sponsors or? We had sponsors, yeah. Oh. Um, I think w- the film would have not been done if there weren't any sponsors. I mean, we had sponsors, um, not in the form of you know giving us money per se, but um, sponsors in a way where the, you know the the Kodak was very nice to us. You know, they gave us basically yeah. half of the film. Wow. Yeah. And, um, you know, Pan- Panavision was uh-huh. very nice to us. And so we, we shot on professional camera work. Yeah. So it, all those things, you know, cut the cost down sure. below 50%, you know. Uh-huh. So, I mean, yeah. So that that's what really helped out. Uh, so it wasn't made for very low low cost? Extremely low, yeah. Yeah. Wow. The, uh, was that helpful going to school at UCLA? Did it, you make any connections that way or was it? Oh, definitely. Oh. I mean, UCLA um, really gave me the um, the mindset of an independent filmmaker mm. um, because they they really focus on um, the the filmmaker as an artor mm. and you know making his own film in every aspect of the production. You know, even to the sound editing side of it. Mm. Um, so that that's what really gave me the a strong base in, in making Just of Life. And also, the, yeah, we, I had a lot of UCLA uh, help from it, too, and students that, uh, you know, that I knew there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. You didn't find, um, you didn't want to cast any other, you wanted you wanted Vietnamese in the film, right? So you, was it? Yeah. Or kinda, yeah. It, it's definitely a Vietnamese story, yeah. but, um, you know, I... I couldn't have made a an Asian story, you know, an Asian American yeah. story. Yeah. I I I wouldn't ha- know how to do that, you know. I mm-hmm. um it would just be a you know, if it's an Asian American gang story, I I wouldn't know how to do that, you know. It, but I know how to do a story about Vietnamese youth yeah. that were involved in gangs in the early 90s, yeah. you know. I wanted to stay specific like that. Because the story to me it it's more real if you're more specific. 
the, the yeah. characters all speak Vietnamese? Uh, the, the speaking characters? No, no, not all of them. Not all of them were as as fluent. But yes, they oh, yeah. they either definitely. They, I know that they understood Vietnamese. Oh, but right. um, I think some of them didn't really speak Vietnamese. But they didn't have to in the film because it was it's in English. The film's right, right. yeah. So actually, more the parents maybe spoke Vietnamese. Huh? Yeah, the the, the, the film's entirely is in English. It's just the parents speak Vietnamese in there. Oh, yeah. Okay. So were the kids more uh, in terms of assimilation? Were they more assimilated in a way? <laughs> I mean, in some ways because they spoke English. Um, or, or do you think mm -hmm. uh, they were trying to get away from having to speak Vietnamese at home, or what? Did you, did you sense that in your film, or did, were you trying to present that? Or no, no in, in in my film or yeah, the in your film. Oh, uh, in no, in my film. Um, that during that time, I th I think there was a there was confusion, you know. Um, part of part of uh, being a, a youth during that time is um, not wanting to conform to uh, the uh, you know quote white kids, yeah. you know, because you know they don't feel comfortable with that. But the other side of it, they don't want to conform to their parents either, because their parents are telling them to, you know get good grades you know speak study yeah study hard and uh -huh. and they don't want to do that so yeah. they didn't want so they didn't want to do either uh -huh. you know either side so they have conflict they have uh, major conflicts yeah. uh, so that's that's why it, it's 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 a, your question is it's a little bit more complex you yeah. know than than it, than it sounds because yeah. um it's not as easy as them saying oh, I'll go the one way or the or this way sure. no it's not at all because that's not how it was back then. It was that, how it was back then. Really, was that they wanted to have their own identity, yeah, you know, but they yeah. didn't know where which which side to take. So they wanted to take each other's side, and that's where you have them grouping together, living together, running away with together, and kind of having their own identity. You were know, they, would you say they were basically good kids that ended up doing bad things? Um, how would you describe? Mm. Um. They were, they were confused kids. Mm. Um, I, I don't think they know what they're doing was bad. They just know that what they're doing is, is who they are. You know, they wanted to be an individual. And part of the crimes that were happening is crimes of necessity. Uh, you know, they stole because they had to eat. And, you know, there was a bunch of stories back then that, you know, kids were hiding in the vent in the restaurants. At night, oh yeah, you know, a bunch of them were in the in the in the vents, and at night when the store closes, they would go down there and make themselves something to eat uh, in the kitchen. Sure, and also uh, you know whatever they had in the register, they'll take it. Yeah, so it was that type of uh, necessity that was uh, you know they had to take. You know, and also the home invasion during that time yeah. was was very prominent, uh, a big issue in Asia, in this community. How did how did people get guns? Um, did you you didn't really depict that how people? Uh, but yeah, it was mainly as far as guns. They um, it was mainly done through the big chains. You know, when they mm -hmm. they did have a structure, uh, and uh, I mean, guns aren't that hard to get. Really, I mean, yeah. if you if you really wanted one, it's, yeah, sure. it's even if you're not a gang member, it's yeah. uh, right, right. it's not something that that hard. So that's one of the problems about guns in this country is yeah. it's, it's not as hard to get it. So, um, do you think the war had anything to do with 
keep resorting to violence. So some some people argue with that because they went through the war. Mm-hmm. Um, that it seemed like it was easy to resort to violence. Uh, is that uh, too simplistic? Uh, well. I can only speak from my experience. Uh, my dad was in the war, yeah, yeah. you know, and he was in the war throughout his whole teen and, uh, you know, adult, uh, early adult life. And he he doesn't go out and shoot people and, <laughs> you know, get guns. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I don't think war is a direct cause of it because, uh, you know, if you say that, then all Vietnamese American men, I mean, should should go around and shoot each other. Or if they get angry at some white person, they should pull out a gun and shoot them. But that is not the case. Um, And another thing is the story that I'm talking about, they're youths. They have not seen war. Yeah, they haven't. Yeah, Yeah, they haven't. This is in the early 90s when, you know, they came here in the early 80s when they're about five, maybe most is about 10. So... You know, in 1975, so yeah. for you to have to experience war, you would have to be basically my dad's age, which, uh, you know, is, you know, right now in close to 60, right. you know? Right. So in the early 90s, you would have it to have been 40 or 35, which, yeah. you know, most of the gang members back then or the, the, the runaway kids were right. from 15 to 25. So sure. yeah. they have not experienced war, no. But they experienced many hardships and tragedy through boat people experience through a lot of terror and yes they have experienced that yeah as far as war i don't i don't know not 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 dust of life the time period uh, what the movie's talking about there was another film called dust of life but that was more was that more a documentary i think yeah it's a it's a documentary yeah yeah and Mm -hmm. so it's it covers the same group of kids but it's a different uh region right was it la more I think it, it was Orange County, yeah. It was also Orange yeah, it was also Orange County. Oh. Um, after we wrote uh, Dust Alive and, and we were shooting it, we um, there was uh, uh, many references uh, to uh, to it, but uh, I don't, I wasn't aware of it because yeah. I didn't get to see the film until, until yeah. yeah, until I think after we wrote it, uh-huh. yeah. Uh-huh. But uh, it's funny because that. That film is is well known in the Asian American community, right? Uh, but it, I just felt it's because when I saw it, I wasn't that surprised because it was something that I yeah. had known or yeah. everybody that I talked experience. to experienced. Yeah. You know, it's just so familiar. It's that, just that like, one. I think they gave cameras to the kids and they shot each other, maybe. Yeah, yeah, they something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it was such a familiar story. It, it's, it's such a uh, you know, this, the similarities is uncanny because yeah. pretty much every single person on set, you know, knew exactly what that film was all about because they lived it. Right. And e- even myself, you know, I've seen yeah. it so much through yeah. my friends and through the people who I talked with, uh, you know, when I was a youth back then. Yeah. So. You still look pretty young. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, there's another film actually that, uh, have you heard of this from Singapore? It's got 15. Yeah, mm-hmm. Royston Tan. No, and he, um, it's actually out on DVD release, and it was actually sponsored by the, funded by the Singapore government. Oh, really? Even though it's quite alternative, it's about two fifteen-year-old kids who uh, beat up uh, uh, people that uh, students that speak Mandarin because they think that's kind of upper class. And, wow. Uh, kind wow. of you know because Singapore is this kind of very, I mean it's a very structured society. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's all this is all underneath, so it kind of shows what really is going on. That these kids go uh, in the you know malls and 
if you if they speak if they hear somebody speaking Mandarin, some kid they'll beat them up, and they speak Hokkien, and so mm. this is kind of Hokkien versus uh, Mandarin mm. kind of thing, and but mm. it's also kind of underclass versus these are poorer kids mm. who are kind of against the success story in Singapore. Yeah, so it's got fifteen, and I think <laughs> it's actually disappeared in the U.S. And even though the Singapore government funded it, it's probably not going to be released there. And Royston Tan is a famous independent uh, mm-hmm. filmmaker from mm-hmm. over there. That mm-hmm. actually is getting a lot of support uh, mm-hmm. uh, from even the government sources. Yeah, well, I think this theme is universal, really. Mm-hmm. Um, it's especially with the uh, the youth and and their sense of identity and alienation. Alien, yeah, and yeah. basically they at that age they really want to have a, their own identity, you know, and tell telling them what they should think or what they should uh, do is is very difficult and. Usually, the problem the problem is usually they resort to uh, the more bravado side of it and confident and and because it it shows that they're in control. In con- yeah, yeah. Did, um, we're talking with um, Le Van Get, who's the director of uh, uh, Dust of Life, a new film that's actually premiering at the Vietnamese International Film Festival and will be showing on Sunday at uh, seven p.m closing night of the festival at here at UC Irvine, HIB 100 at 7 o'clock. Um, the opinions expressed on the show are not necessarily those of the regents of the University of California nor the management of KUCI. Um, this is Dan Zhang with Subversity, and we're on the web at KUCI.org, uh, this uh, live streaming on the web. Uh, I wanted to ask you about this whole uh, the scene in the film where the policeman is trying to take a photo of... Um, of Johnny, the character yes. that uh, is the lead lead character in the film, and uh, he says uh, he says no, don't take it. And then the policeman says, oh, you know, you just came here, you don't even speak English. How do you know the law? <laughs> and, uh, and proceeds <laughs> to take a a Polaroid picture. But before that, he says, um, okay, if you don't want me to take it, I can take you down to the station and call your parents. And that actually happened. Uh, I was working in, on this issue in the '90s and. There were students going to uh, uni high, uh, yes. and a brother told a uh, brother of a student told me that they had Polaroid. They didn't have a Polaroid. It turned out in the police car, so they said they had to detain him for an hour uh, while they went to get the camera. Mm. And they didn't take him to the station, but they made him sit on the ground. Uh, he was just picking up his cousin or his brother mm-hmm. at uni high. And mm-hmm. in those days, uh, Asians went that uh, numerous at U- mm-hmm. at Irvine, mm-hmm. and so uh, the police went around taking pictures. Uh, of a lot of students they thought were gang members. Mm-hmm. And uh, in one case I worked on, uh, they were students from Garden Grove, uh, et cetera. And mm-hmm. they eventually, they actually came on the sh- uh, on KUCI in 1993. Th- these two girls, one Hmong and one Vietnamese, uh, who were 14 or 15, they came on another show that mm-hmm. a student of mine uh, hosted, Eric Mert, and he did a Sunday talk show <laughs> for three hours from oh, like, you know, I don't know, Nine o'clock to midnight, mm-hmm. and so they came on, and because they had uh, they had read about some protests that I was involved in, and they called up the DA, actually the district attorney for that city, Fountain Valley. Of course, he he wouldn't talk to them, and then uh, they called me up at my office and said it had just happened to them. These there were three girls, and they were stopped in Garden Grove uh, and photographed, uh, mm-hmm. even though they were actually they were honor students. Mm-hmm. So the police actually thought that because they were honor students, they were very active in the gang because they were like leading, you know, very active in it. Mm-hmm. And so because you're smart and you must be a leader. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they w- they made them part of some gang and uh, they labeled them. 
and started taking pictures of them. Uh, and eventually went into the ACLU took the case and uh, we got on or the 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 youths got on um, on uh, not 60 Minutes but the other uh, CBS Evening News with Connie Chung. That you came to, <laughs> I took really? them to Asian Garden Mall and mm-hmm. as far, and then they started shooting pictures mm-hmm. of the girls, and then mm-hmm. uh, got on the Evening News. That's great. That's yeah. great. So that yeah. that's another. That's a, uh, I mean, even though you know people don't think uh, gang members have civil rights, but actually everybody has civil rights. That's right. So even if you're, um, if you did something wrong, you still have civil rights. You're mm-hmm. assumed innocent until proven mm-hmm. guilty. Mm-hmm. And um, what what do you think of the you know, I think most of the news coverage was, uh, is a lot of it at that time was about uh, people in prison, gang members, you know, shooting up in Little Saigon, mm-hmm. uh, lots of people, you know, some people being killed. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so uh, the media and the society doesn't want to, you know, have, doesn't have any sympathy, obviously, for, for people that are in jail. Mm-hmm. Uh, your movie doesn't cover that part, I mean, because mm-hmm. it covers before, I guess, the part that... Yeah. That's before the prison. Mm-hmm. Well, the ethnic uh, profiling was a, right. definitely a big problem during that time. Um, and in the in the film, you know, I I try to make it as natural as possible yeah. for people yeah. to understand what how it was done, and it was done exactly the way you said it. It was very yeah. natural for them to do it. They didn't have they didn't question anything. It's uh, yeah. although it's completely wrong, uh, but either side you know, didn't know what, what was the protocol of it, you know, because the the police officers were just doing what they felt yeah. they needed to do. Right. And the youths kind of felt like it was wrong, but who are they to say? You know, they're only 15 years old. They're not going to go outside and start defending themselves <laughs> and, you know, have, march down the street and have a whole civil rights movement about it. Yeah. They're just going to go and start questioning their friends and say, hey, did, did it happen to you? And yeah. And then, you know, that's what happened in the film, basically. You know, after Johnny gets, uh, uh, you know, the Polaroid taken of him, he goes back and he, he asks his older, you know, uh, uh, his older friends, you know, saying, can they do that? Can they actually do that? And the older friend, you know, answers them in a way where it's like, it's a kind of thing where, you, you know, you, you know what's wrong, but you know you can't do anything about it, so you're just going to make it like, you know, they're the whatever you know it's kind of like they're, they're wrong you know so whatever L- leave them leave it be you know so that's how what the answer he gets and basically that was the mindset of of how sure. it was done you know the how they dealt with it you know they're like you know they do whatever they want but so what you know that kind of thing in in the case that i worked on that became a lawsuit the uh they actually did get money the garden group uh settled the case oh, really? out of court yeah. and each the girls got like i know thousands of dollars each mm-hmm. about six girls eventually in the case a class action mm-hmm. of Vietnamese uh, Southeast Asian uh, kids mm-hmm. um, but the um, but in the during the trial or before the case went was settled one of the girls uh, was actually pulled over at the uh, Garden Grove uh, what do you call it the the cherry bar not cherry bar some the some kind of festival in Garden Grove I can't remember oh, which uh, strawberry festival strawberry yeah yes. and they uh they they actually went there. There was a birthday party or something, and so they went there to celebrate. But the cops saw them going up on rides and stuff, and then waited at the bottom, and then pulled all these kids over and and made fun of their lawsuit of one of the lo- the girls' lawsuits and a uh, lawsuit and um, mm-hmm. and then uh, basically detained them. And she was also uh, also uh, another time at Taco Bell. She was also 
uh, outside Taco Bell. She was mm. also detained and asked to produce a green card and asked to produce a green card. And actually, it turns out under federal law, young people are not required to carry green cards. Yeah, they might not even have it. Maybe <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> so that was actually a f- so that's why they said it. I think because they didn't want that's a total violation of civil rights. Oh yeah, yeah. To ask them to show something they don't actually have to show, mm-hmm. and so uh, so anyway, so anyway, they settled, and I would have liked the case to to say they can't do this anymore. But what they the ACLU ended up settling uh, with the police, just uh, and the police were just required to. To make uh to say uh to ask for permission mm. which i think it's actually it's hard to for a kid to refuse because here's a guy with a gun you know and mm. you're gonna ask for uh they, they're gonna ask you for permission to take your picture yeah. and it's also how he asks also right i mean it depends you're not there at the moment but yeah. uh, I, th- I would think it's a whole different situation if right. you know somebody big and huge standing over you and asking you probably not politely <laughs> you know? right, right. so and also, she, uh, this one girl was uh, remembered on the TV. Uh, she mentioned that on one of the channels that she, one of the cops told her not to come to my city. And then she said, "This is Garden Grove. I'm a, I'm in, I'm a U.S. You know, I'm in the U.S. Uh, I can go in wherever I want." You know, mm-hmm. the girl answered back mm-hmm. to the cop. Mm-hmm. And so for that, she got uh, detained and was mm-hmm. asked to produce a green card. So there were all these incidents going on at the time, mm-hmm. and we actually had a card. Uh, where actually you said that people didn't think they could refuse, but we actually passed out thousands of these at uh, high schools. Really? And on the back, the kids could actually sign That's uh, great. that they don't want to have their picture taken. Yeah, like, yeah. I do not give permission to the police. Yeah, I, I've seen <laughs> yeah. this around. Yeah, yeah. That's so great. So we actually mm-hmm. spoke in classrooms, but the last time I went to a high school to speak with, with the, with the uh, girl from, from that incident, mm-hmm. and she was uh, by then had uh, been at UCI and, and now I think he was, she's in law school. Mm. <laughs> she, yeah, that's great. <laughs> we we didn't find anybody being detained in high schools uh, mm. t- for photograph. Right? Mm, that's and great. I, and I think that's because the, the police are already in schools, and I mean they have police station there, mm-hmm. and so they can get the yearbook. Yes. Uh, and the photos are in there, so yeah. I don't. Maybe it's not necessary to mm-hmm. individually photograph mm-hmm. people. Uh, well, I think by now also we've uh, our community has become so prominent and right. so prosperous in this area that um mm. you know I, th- I think uh the authorities you know look at that as a you know because back then it wasn't the way orange county was not anywhere near what it is now you know and so but even in irvine though which was very prosperous still at mm-hmm. the time really? uh, yeah even in irvine the police were photographing a lot of asian mm-hmm. kids mm-hmm. partly because of they go to these uh gang uh workshops yeah and they get you know, trained, and that was the way they were doing it. Yes. Uh, although today, I think, in terms of after nine eleven, there's still a problem with uh, police files. You mm-hmm. know, you you you're, you're taking pictures of Muslims areas and Muslim shops and mm-hmm. creating these mm-hmm. big databases. Which I don't know, if in the case of gang membership, does it really relate to you know success? You know, having my argument at the time was that. If you have bad data, it's garbage in, garbage out in a computer. Mm-hmm. If you have, you know, if cluttered with pictures of, you know, innocent kids, high school students that have nothing to do with it, or honest students, or whatever, then it's harder to, you know, it's bad quality pictures actually, because mm-hmm. you're not really identifying the right people. Right, right. Um, so I mean, today I think this kind of issue of surveillance still goes on, mm-hmm. uh, especially after nine eleven. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you you told me that uh, off ca- off uh, studio that 
you were um, you're finding that there's uh, similar incidents now in other areas where there are large Vietnamese concentrations? Yeah, um, when I uh, started traveling uh, throughout the United States to different uh, cities that uh, the Vietnamese uh, community is growing, just yeah. like Orange County, um, the uh, community there has told me that uh, you know what they're seeing in this film, yeah. Just a Life, is happening in their neighborhoods. Um, and it sounded very similar to uh-huh. what I was experiencing, what you were experiencing in the early 90s. It was, it's, it's kind of seems like a cycle to me um, about, you know, being alienated in, in a certain community and having to assimilate in that community. Yeah. And I just see the effects of that. And are these large, are these large, are these within the Vietnamese en- enclaves or were they, uh, with the, are there large concentrations of Vietnamese or would they... It's very similar to how it was in the early 90s in Orange County, basically. Uh-huh. Yeah, a, a, a group of... A, a, a centralized Vietnamese um, community, um, you know, coming together, um, working together, opening little yeah. small mom-and-pop shops together, yeah. um, kind of creating their own community, starting up. And that's, this is what is going on uh, around the United States because we do we still have Vietnamese from uh, Vietnam coming over here, sure, sure. you know, through ODP and through, yeah. uh, you know, the immigration process. Yeah, o- ODP uh, is orderly departure program. Yeah, yeah, and which is you know, uh, waiting for over ten years on average. So basically, these wow. uh, by now, um, all the all the people. The people who are coming from uh, straight from Vietnam and instead of settling here, Orange County is a very prosperous area. That is, it's and it's also very difficult to live here because of the Experience. cost of living. Yeah, yeah. And so they're finding out that, um, you know, living in Arizona, uh, Minnesota, or uh, even Texas, some parts of Texas, sure. is better than Orange County. And so the Vietnamese people are coming together and creating yeah. their own communities outside of uh, California, and in a way, it's very similar to how it was in the early 90s in other parts. And so um, are there like armed robberies or home invasions? Still? Yeah, um, I'm hearing about uh, home invasions, uh, gang activity uh-huh. uh, in other parts of the United States. Yeah. Do you, are the victims of these invasions usually other Vietnamese? Uh, uh, from what I've heard so far, yes. Uh-huh. Um, it, and... Again, you, you know how it was in the early 90s. Yeah. Uh, these, uh, the majority of uh, the gang activity were against, you know, Vietnamese people. Sure. Yeah. Because uh, a lot of Vietnamese were still uh, not trusting banks, I guess, at the beginning. Yeah. And, and, uh, and storing money mm-hmm. <laughs> under, mm-hmm. under the bed. And it wasn't, it's, you know, it, I just wanted to clarify that it, it wasn't violence against their own people. You know, it wasn't like that. It was out of necessity. You know, they went. They weren't looking to kill people. Uh-huh. You know, they weren't looking to go into somebody's home and randomly kill somebody. They just know of a house that has money. They just know of a business that is doing well. They just know of of place that it's easy for them to get something so they can survive. They weren't going in there to terrorize or to, you know, mm. deliberately, you know, hurt their own people. Um, you know, these kids wanted to get away with it. You know, they didn't want to, um, you know, be 
in you know in jail or have a certain confrontation with somebody you know that that's what they were avoiding um but you know when when you do that kind of violence when you when you put yourself in that such situation you are going to run into problems and, into, and you show that in the film that a yeah. gun goes off and somebody gets killed even if you didn't intend to um, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, you know, and robbing a store or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah right, robbing, right. Yeah. Right. Uh, basically the, these are kids and they panic, you know, mm-hmm. when they're in this situation. Mm-hmm. They, they I mean, they they're, they're going in there to get something and and get out. I mean, yeah. and they know that they can do it because they'll because you know, other times they've done it, they were successful. And it's it's just a matter of being a little bit more forceful, waving a gun around and and just say, you know, just give it to me and then everything will be okay and usually they'll just give it to him it's like bravado huh? you with a gun you feel stronger and, yeah, yeah and and you you'll get it you know yeah. you'll get what you want without yeah. any hassle right and so that's what they did and they got it and so that and that was the plan but uh, the majority of the time but some you know when you put yourself in that right. tight of a situation sure. and when that stressful uh situation there's going to be problems that uh, come yeah. up and there's going to be things that you're not prepared for yeah um and so that's that's what the movie explores yeah there was another film that also covered young people in uh orange county called gleaming the edge have you seen that gleaming the edge it yeah. sounds so Skateboard, familiar skateboarder uh, uh christian slater is it christian uh, slater? oh yeah yes i've and seen it yeah you've seen it yeah i've seen and it yeah it's, uh, it's a kind of a it's political a really film. old yeah. about skateboarding kids and but also the political aspects that some people are you remember that? Yeah, I, I remember seeing yeah. it. Yes. Yeah, but uh, I don't remember the details. His, uh, I think his uh, stepbrother or whatever is uh, gets killed because he exposes kind of a gun, yes gun smuggling. Well, his his ex brother yeah. is a Vietnamese immigrant, right. and uh, well, his 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 uh, step yeah, I think Christian uh, Slater's family accepts this kid. Yeah, adopts uh, adopts this Vietnamese kid, and this Vietnamese. Uh, the movie is actually about the Vietnamese kid. Right. It's not really about Christian Slater, it's, which is, I thought it was a great, it's a great film. Yeah. People should see it. And it, But he's investigating why he gets killed. It's yeah, the, he gets killed it. because he, he got uh, a run-in with, in the Little Saigon. Yeah. And um, and the guys are actually smuggling weapons to the resistance in Vietnam. <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of interesting. It's, it's, it's uh, like a small film and it turns yeah. out to be a really big high concept film. But it, did, it only played, for, I think, for a few days. I mean, I don't think it played very long and now uh-huh. it's on it's it's I it's, think it's, it's a it's a great it's definitely yeah. people i it's, people should see that film i'm 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 surprised that you mentioned it but uh no i i noticed it when i i don't know if i saw it in the theater but i'm maybe i saw it in the theater but it was just mm-hmm. a few days i saw a couple of years yeah. ago and again well, a couple of years ago yeah i, I saw uh on a dvd oh, maybe four years VHS ago yeah. dvd yeah. i saw it on yeah. dvd oh yeah gleaming the edge yeah yeah and then there was another one, uh, another one by young people. It's I forget that one's called, but that's not about Vietnamese. But it's about uh, developers coming in and taking land away from uh, a community center and building a parking lot or, or some development. And uh-huh. that whole whole town, the kids rebelled, and I think they burned down the high school. <laughs> so that's a and that one definitely showed only like half a week in the theater. And it was too violent for the '60s or even for the uh-huh. '60s or '70s. Mm-hmm. And I'll I'll get you the name of that mm-hmm. later, but uh, but this is one film at, yeah. uh, by uh, Russell Crowe's in it. It's in oh. Australia. It's a Vietnamese community. It's about Vietnamese oh, community yeah, yeah. in Australia. It's called Romper Stomper. Oh yeah, and that's a uh-huh. very uh, it's it's pretty quite entertaining uh, about Vietnamese oh. people and oh. uh, the settlement in there. But these these films that we see, it's it it really explores the 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 you know the struggle that Vietnamese people yeah. had during that time of trying to. 
yeah. you know, make it in this new, basically a new world yeah, for them, definitely. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you, um, did, why did you want to focus back on this era and not focus on something current, more current? I mean, in, in terms mm-hmm. of the period. Well, I just thought that during that time, because again, this film is not about gangs. Right, right. You know, entirely. It's not, yeah. I, and I just felt that during that time, it was the most difficult time for Vietnamese immigrants. Um, because it was basically, you know, after the boat people experience, after the war, you know, 10 years later, right? Yeah. Um, it's time to, re- they finally accept that, okay, this we're going to be here for the rest of our lives. Yeah. You know, um, that's what it was, that's what their mindset was back then. It, it's not like now where you can say, well, I can visit Vietnam next week or I can go f- see my grandma. Um they were stuck here. You know, like maybe yeah. when I have vacation, I can just go to Vietnam. No, d- during the 90s and late 80s, yeah, they, every single Vietnamese person in this community, you know, knew that they were going to be here for the rest of their life. And maybe they will never, ever get to see their yeah. country again. Right. And it was that, it was just that similar thought during the boat people experience. And so they, when they, ca- they came here, they finally got their, you know, their support. Their communities, uh, their um, you know, uh, pay, uh, what is it, the welfare checks oh, yeah, and yeah. the uh, government assistant. Yeah, yeah. So, but now they have to be serious. You know, they they're here, they're settled, so they have to think about their future now. And a lot of them were depressed. Yeah. You know, they're like, uh, you know, I'm 50 years old. I'm, uh-huh. I have, uh, you know, seven kids. You know. I have to do something, you know, I have to get serious. And so that's where you see a, a huge gap between the generations occur, you know. And th- so that's why I, ex- I explore this period, time period because it was the most sensitive and it was the most difficult for the Vietnamese immigrants. Also, the parents had to work so hard that they were never home or practically never home. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. And so, um, so there are a lot of sociological reasons why the young people are hung up themselves by themselves. Mm-hmm. They uh, they got support mm-hmm. in, this, in this other group that they hung out in, and uh, what what do you think is the solution? If if I mean, what kind of message are you trying to say in the film? Uh, what should people do? Uh, what do parents have to do? Well, I I just hope that the film will speak for itself. Yeah. Um, there wasn't. I, I'm not out there to uh, preach anything. I mean, although there's some religion aspects to it, but really the film, I try not to say that one way is, is better than the other. I'm just saying that, um, you know, there's choices that people make yeah. that will affect them for the rest of their lives. So really, the if, if there is a message that, that I want people to take, it's it's really the, the choices that you make is, is how you how your destiny will become, you know. Basically, you, you're responsible for your destiny yeah. and that you're responsible for your actions. Really, that's the message. Um, but as far as some so- sociological uh, message to the community, um, I think I would hope the film would speak for itself and you know um, create some awareness and some dialogue. And what we're doing today is is talking about it and understand it. I mean, the headline for the trailers is um, you know to find peace. You know, you, you understand your uh, you have to understand sure, your yeah, tragedy. Yeah, you yeah. know. That's and I I just think that word speaks well for the uh, you know for that time period. Yeah. What what are your other projects uh, coming up 
uh, I mean, are you working on film scripts? Uh, yeah, I, it's too early to tell right now because we want to focus everything on uh, uh. just of life and uh, you know the uh, you know the, the life of it. You know, yeah, yeah. But uh, yes, I I'm definitely working on uh, other projects and um, uh, looking at my options right now. But uh, in writing, I'm always writing and and trying to. Uh, writing screenplays or writing? yeah yeah uh, writing yeah. Well, writing in general too oh, okay. yeah, it, yeah. I, uh, the way I work is I just I write first uh, like uh-huh. uh, stories first and uh-huh. like uh-huh. a like a novel uh-huh. um, similar to a uh, narrative novel and then uh, kind of work it into a screenplay yeah and, and you came to America at age four or was it yeah yeah, yeah. and um, do you why did you go to film school then at the just was it uh, yeah um yeah i've been asked this question a lot um yeah. <laughs> I, I mean i wish i had the luxury to say that i was i was growing up with a video camera in my hand or <laughs> or my dad had a video store you know oh, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or you know i stayed up all night watching movies but it wasn't like that for me you know yeah. because um uh you know it's just like everyone else growing up it's uh you know you just it's, especially for me i just kind of wanted to you know when when I was a teenager, I remember just wanting to be accepted, basically, you know, and that was the hardest enough. So, um, I didn't really have the luxury of of making movies. So, w- when I was going to college, um, uh, I didn't really w- know what I wanted to do, really, and I so I got into photography and and uh, writing, and so I fell in love with both. Oh yeah. And so I. It, kind of the marriage of the two is basically filmmaking uh-huh. and so that's how i felt that my calling was going to be so, so you started off taking pictures oh, or studying uh, studying photography first oh, yeah. I, re- I was really uh concentrated in that and then i uh and i got into writing and like uh in, and reading a lot with english literature and oh yeah, yeah. Uh, courses and so um you know just eventually it came together it all came together as uh basically visual storytelling uh-huh. and so that's film and For sure so I, that's how that's why i pursued uh filmmaking and going to film school do, do you uh do your parents support you i mean in, in that endeavor do you, they are they supportive yeah, well, i mean in the beginning you know just like every uh, just like <laughs> the common uh asian american parent you know they they want me to succeed in a in a more profession profession professional field like uh being a doctor or a businessman or uh-huh. you know because my siblings are you know uh, the doctor and, and the psychologist and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, they, in the beginning, you know, they didn't quite understand it, you know, didn't didn't see a future to it. But uh, uh-huh. gradually, I think, uh, you know, with anything, if you show people your passion and your heart yeah. and soul, yeah, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter whether you're successful or not. If you, if you are very passionate about it, um, just, just the sheer fact that you are focused on it and, and believe in yourself, that that's already the the success right there yeah, that's yeah. enough yeah. that's enough yeah yeah uh, so the let's recap the film is going to be shown uh dust of light is going to be shown seven o'clock uh on sunday closing mm-hmm. night film at the vietnamese international film festival at hib 100 and on campus here and the website is uh com. and your your website is dust of life movie.com yeah it's just the the title dust of life and movie.com Great. Well, thank you very much. We're out of time. Yeah. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you. And keep in touch. Thank you. Thank you.